Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study every Sunday morning, posted every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m., which is the time when the congregation here at Sunny Slope comes together for our Sunday morning Bible classes in person. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and be with us. Study God's Word with us. Worship God with us. Grow spiritually with us grow in our faith with us at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. Now, our Bible classes begin on Sunday morning, as I said, at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of Bible study and worship. And then on Wednesday evenings, right in the middle of the week, Good time to stop from our busy schedules for a little while, get our spiritual batteries recharged. We come back together for our midweek Bible classes, again, 6.30 each, each Wednesday evening. Now, you are, again, invited to any and all of these services. We hope you will come. Now, we want to encourage you to share these studies that you, we, that you listen to on podcast with everybody you can. We podcast God's Word over the internet and by means of these podcasts because we know that there are people, even in the Omaha area, who cannot get out very well. It, or maybe their busy schedules do not allow them to be with us at the times when we meet together in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. So we also know that there are people across the country and around the world who want to study God's Word but obviously they live in other locations and they cannot be with us in person. So we podcast these studies over the internet, again by means of podcasts, so that people can get into God's Word, so that they can study God's Word, so that they can be in a Bible study and thereby grow in their faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. Now, you can do something to help people in your life and maybe other people you don't even know by sharing these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means as well. Share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody grow in their faith. You may help somebody come closer to God. You may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven. What a great blessing that will be, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. Now also tell everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their smartphone or computer or whichever. They will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a Monday through Friday daily radio program called Search the Scriptures. It'll be right there on their smart device. And then there's also what I really consider to be a jewel. All of those are really important, really good, but, but here is a short seven-day-a-week Bible study that we call today's Bible class. Only about 13 minutes each day. 
Now, a jewel, because we can fit 13 minutes into our busy schedules almost every day, and we'll still be in God's Word. And remember, the more we're in God's Word, the better that is for our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So tell everybody you can. Sunny, uh, uh, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Now, we're going to get back into our study from the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to pick up with chapter 10 this time. And by way of reminder, I know I keep trying to remind our listeners about this, but we have new listeners from time to time. So the book of Deuteronomy, the setting for it is Moses has led the people of Israel through the wilderness wanderings. And now they're they're positioned on the eastern bank of the Jordan River, and they're getting ready to cross the Jordan River into the, into the promised land, the land of Canaan at that time, but it would become the nation of Israel, the geographic boundaries of Israel. So they're getting ready to cross the river and go into the promised land, the land that God had promised to them through their forefathers, going all the way back to Abraham. And Moses is rehearsing for them or reminding them of their history up to this point, and particularly that from the time they were in Egypt and had become basically slaves through the time that God, through Moses, led them out of Egypt to Mount Sinai, received the law, God's law, and then led them fairly quickly to the southern boundary, the southern border of the promised land at Kadesh Barnea, and the 10 spies came back and said who, who Moses had sent into the land to spy out the land. They came back and they said at first, this is a great land. Boy, it flows with milk and honey. Look, we brought back some of the uh, samples of the produce grown in the land. But then when it came down to where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, are we ready to go? Can we go conquer this land? They said, whoa, 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 we can't do that. Why not? Uh, uh, mighty people in that land, big cities, fortified cities. There are even giants in that land. And two spies, so that was 10 spies, two other spies, Joshua and Caleb said, whoa, whoa, God will give us the victory. We're well able to take it. Let's go right now. But the people listened to the 10 spies. And God brought punishment, judgment upon the Israelites from the adult generations of 20 years old and up, that they would not, he would not allow them to enter the promised land. He would raise up their children to become the new adult generations, stronger in faith and more trusting of his will and his promise and his power to deliver them or deliver the enem- their enemies in the promised land over to them, to give them the victory, to be able to possess the land. And so he told Moses, turn around. These people aren't ready. Lead them out into the wilderness. And for 40 years, Moses led them in a great big circle through the wilderness to allow those adult generations from 20 years old and up to die off in the wilderness and let the children grow up to become the new adults 
who would come into the land and God would give them the victories and the possession of that land. So these are the children now grown up to be the adults, the warriors who would cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land. And God would give them victory after victory over the inhabitants of that land. And so Moses is going through that period of their history, reminding them, and along the way, reminding them, now your forefathers, you know, your, your fathers, your, grand, your, your, you know, your parents, your grandparents, they were weak in faith. They did not trust God to give them the victories. Don't be like them. And also, when God gives you this land, right now it's full of people who worship idols. Don't you have anything to do with them? You either destroy them in battle or drive them out of the land completely. Do not enter into any kind of relationships with them, and especially do not enter into any kind of marriage relationships with them because they will become a thorn in your side. They'll become a snare to you. They'll lead you away from God and to worship their idols, which are nothing anyway, just images, statues, carvings, and so on. And so Moses is warning them, stay away from idolatry, the worship of idols. You start worshiping idols, God will bring judgment upon you. Chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. At that time, the Lord said to me, Moses speaking here, to the people, Hew for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and come up to me on the mountain and make yourself an ark of wood. And I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. Now Moses is reminding the people here, remember, and of course some of these probably had not even been born when this happened, back 40 years before at Mount Sinai, after Moses had led them out of Egypt and out from under the bondage that they were, that they were under in Egypt. But he, he says, at that time, I went up, God called me up to Mount Sinai, and he carved 10 commandments into two tablets of stone. But now, while I was away, your parents, your grandparents lost faith, I was only gone for 40 days, but they lost faith. They didn't see me for that time. And they had Aaron manufacture a golden calf for them. And they called that their God. And they were worshiping that, that golden calf. God sent me down from the mountain. He told me what was going on. So when I came down, I broke those first two tablets and I took that golden calf and ground it into powder and put it in the water and made your parents and grandparents eat it, and, or drink it, rather. And also, God destroyed many of them when I came back down. Now, he says, after that, God called me back up to the mountain, and he he told me to hew two new tablets of stone, like the first, and I did that. He also said to make yourself an ark of wood, and, now this is not an ark like a ship. This would be more of a, a, a big box, but it was designed in a very special way by God's instructions. 
and I will write on the tablets God told Moses the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke, and you shall put them in the ark. And so God gave Moses two new tablets of stone that bore the original Ten Commandments. And he told him, you'll put those tablets of stone with my writing on them, the Ten Commandments, the original Ten Commandments, in that ark. And they're going to be there always with my people. At least that was God's instruction and his will. In verse 3, Moses goes on and he says, So I made an ark of acacia wood, hewed two tablets of stone like the first, went up to the mountain, having the two tablets in my hand. And he, that is God, wrote on the tablets according to the first writing. In other words, he didn't change anything. He, he wrote the original Ten Commandments again on these two new tablets of stone that Moses had hewn out of the rock and taken up to the mountain. The Ten Commandments, which the Lord had spoken to you in the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly, and the Lord gave them to me. Then I turned and came down from the mountain and put the tablets in the ark which I had made, and there they are, just as the Lord commanded me. So it had been about 40 years since God gave Moses these replacement tablets, so to speak, with the Ten Commandments written into them, carved into them by God's finger. And Moses, he told Moses, put them in that ark, that ark of wood I told you to make yourself. Moses did that, and Moses reminds the people now they're in that ark right to this day. They're right there. In verse 6, now the children of, uh, now the children of Israel journeyed from the wells of Benejakan to Mosherah, where Aaron died and where he was buried. And Eleazar, his son, ministered as priest in his stead. From there, they journeyed to Gudgoda, and from Gudgoda to Jatbata, a land of rivers of water. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister to him, and to bless in his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance, just as the Lord your God promised him. And, and this is an interesting point here that, that we need to understand. God set apart the tribe of Levi. Now remember, there are 12 tribes. God set apart the tribe of Levi among the Israelites to be the priestly tribe. The the high priests would come from the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of Levi, the men, the Levite men, they would take care first of the tabernacle, which would be the place of worship for the Israelites. They would take care of all the articles of the tabernacle. They would take care of the sacrifices and so on, oversee them at least. And when the temple would be built hundreds of years later, they would see to all of the temple and all of the all of the matters that would pertain to the temple, again, as the place, the central place of worship for the Israelites. Now, God then would give special instructions to the other tribes as to providing food for the Levites and so on. And so they are set aside as the priestly tribe. We come down to verse 10. 
as at the as at the first time I stayed in the mountain forty days and forty nights. Moses says, "This second time I went up into the mountain to receive this second set of tablets. I stayed another forty days and forty nights up in the mountain." The Lord also heard me at that time, and the Lord chose not to destroy you. Now, God, he had, you know, been tempted a time or two to simply destroy all of the Israelites and start again from the seed of Moses to build a new nation. But Moses would pray to God, and God would relent and not destroy the people. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, begin your journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? And so a lot of people, they might wonder, okay, well, what does God want me to do? What does God require of me? And Moses gives the same answer that is our responsibility today. What, what, do, what does the Lord your God require of you? but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Well, when Jesus was asked in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, what is the great law and what is the great commandment in the law? He said basically exactly the same thing. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Well, Moses lays that out right here. Then the Lord said to me, arise, begin your journey before the people that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord? your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve him, the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. And not just a feel-good, warm, fuzzy feeling that we call loving God. And the idea of fearing God there is not that we're supposed to be shaken in our boots, afraid of God, deathly afraid, you know, that he's going to strike us down or whatever. But no, no, it's the idea of holding in awe and reverence. Now, if we're living unrighteously before God, then we need to be fearful because our souls are at stake. And ultimately, God will hold us accountable. In fact, he'll send his son, Jesus, the Christ, on a final day of judgment to call all of us to account. And those who are not found faithful and righteous will be subject to eternity in hell. The righteous will be with him in heaven for all of eternity. Now, what is our responsibility? We're to hold God in reverence. We're to hold God in love. He has loved us, and we did not love him first. He loved us first. He loves us so much that he sent his son to go to the cross to die for us, but that's the basic message that God has loved you, God has taken care of you, God has blessed you, sustained you for all these 40 years in the wilderness. In fact, he fed them miraculously. He gave them water miraculously. Their clothes did not wear out during all those 40 years. 
And then Moses goes on in verse 13 here in chapter 10, and he says, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. God expects you to be obedient to him. Now, there's where a whole lot of people get hung up because they want to say they love God, that they have this great faith in God, but they don't want to have much to do with the obedience part. Well, loving God, truly loving God, carries with it obedience to God's teachings. Jesus said in in John chapter 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, anybody can mouth their love for somebody, including God. But actions speak louder than words. And so we need to keep his commandments. We need to live by his teachings and not just here or there, now and then, but consistently and continually. Verse 14, indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. Why? Because God created it all. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 and verse 1. Verse 15 now, the Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after, after them. You above all peoples as it is this day. God developed, raised up the nation of Israel, the people, the Israelites. He demonstrated his love for them on an ongoing basis. Verse 16, therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. Now, physical circumcision was a physical, visible sign of the covenant between God and the Israelites. The men were to be circumcised, that is, the males, on the eighth day of their birth. But Moses says here, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. And that's something that that we are taught as New Testament Christians. We no longer practice physical circumcision is a sign of the covenant between Christians and God, but we are to have our hearts circumcised. That is to be made pure, cut away all the ways of the world from our lifestyle, and live by faith in and faithfulness to God on a daily basis. And that means living by his teachings. So therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. We have a lot of problems. We want to do things our way. We don't want to be subservient, submissive to God through his teachings. We want to do what we want to do. I'm talking in a general frame of reference here. And so that's why Jesus said most people are lost. The few are saved because most people, they don't want to give in to God, to his teachings. They don't want to live by the teachings of Scripture. 
Now, many of them go on through ignorance, but again, Acts chapter 17, verses 30 and 31 says ignorance is no longer an excuse. But now God commands all men everywhere to be, uh, to, to repent. Well, verse 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods. God, capital G, of gods, lowercase g. Not really gods. Statues, images, carvings. And Lord of lords. Same understanding. The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. God is totally righteous, totally pure, totally true. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. See, God looks upon every human being as being created in his own image, in God's image, with a soul. And he loves mankind. And he wants all of humanity to follow him as their heavenly father. But he doesn't make us do so. But he does hold us responsible for doing so. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, love the stranger. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And Moses is telling them, God, God loves the stranger. Remember, you were strangers in the land of Egypt, and God blessed you there to multiply into a mighty nation numerically? You love strangers who come to you. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. What great and awesome things? Well, again, he fed them miraculously through 40 years of wilderness wanderings, miraculously gave them water. Their clothes did not wear out. When enemies met them in battle, God gave them the victory over those enemies and he has promised to do the same when they cross into the promised land. He is your praise, and he is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. Well, once again, when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, it is estimated that they probably numbered from one to three million in population. But how many were the beginnings of that as they first went into Egypt, the household of Jacob and Joseph? Seventy persons. Seventy persons. But over that period of 400 or so years, God raised them into a mighty nation numerically. And so Moses is reminding the people what God has done for them and that they need to not take that in just a complacent way, but they need to love God and to love him so much that they obey his teachings and live by those teachings, respect him, hold him in awe, and worship him consistently throughout their lives. And that basic principle is the same for us today. 
We'll move on to chapter 11 next time. Let's stop and pray. Our Father in heaven, you are awesome. You are the God. There are no other gods beside you. Help people all over the world see that, believe it, respect it, and serve you, Father, through their lives on an ongoing basis, daily. Help us to be great examples of this truth to people all around us who need to come to understand your will for their lives and your love for them, Father, your desire for them to be with you forever in heaven. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. Now, please forgive us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.